Welcome back. Oh, if this is your first time here, then thank you for joining us. This is The Doula's Guide to dot 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 with me, Meg, also known as The Dungaree Doula. It's a podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. My aim is to share unbiased information alongside a bit of friendly chit chat to ensure that you're heading to parenthood feeling confident and excited for what you've got to come. If you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes for some great birth preparation. And if you love the podcast, then you can now leave me a little tip to say thank you via buy me a coffee. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much if you do this. This episode is my first birth story. I've ummed and ahed about sharing it because it was a little bit of a weird one. I used hypnobirthing tools to really advocate for myself and to have a completely unmedicated, straightforward birth, which on paper looks like it was super positive. But it was kind of sabotaged a little bit by the maternity services, which makes it a little bit of a heavy listen in places. I wanted to share it because I want to share the positives, which is why I've decided to record this episode, because the hypnobirthing definitely got me through. And I also want to share what the maternity services did and said, which was completely unjust, but to give you some tips about what I would do differently if I could have a redo of the situation. And then hopefully if any of you guys face similar situations, you can use the tips that I talk about at the end of the episode. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Not sure if that's the right word, really. I hope you find it a worthwhile listen um, and do listen with caution if you're currently pregnant and you're in the headspace of only taking in positive birth stories at the minute because like I said in places it's a little bit of a heavy listen it's a little bit of a frustrating listen as well every time I tell the story uh, it makes me just a little bit annoyed at the way that I was treated but like I said there are positives that you can take away and there are lessons to be learned and that's why I'm going to share it with you today. So I fell pregnant when I was 22. I was just finishing university. It wasn't in my plan, but I was really happy. Um, I didn't mind. I was really excited to be pregnant. My partner at the time isn't my partner now, so my two children have different dads. So when I do refer to my birth partner, I'm referring to him, and he wasn't a great birth partner, as you'll find out throughout the story Uh, wasn't a great partner in general obviously that's why he's no longer my partner but he wasn't a great birth partner but I just wanted to put that in there so that people do not think that I'm talking about my current partner (laughs) because he was an amazing birth partner and if you've listened to my positive home birth story which is how I give birth the second time around with my current partner you will know that he was a great birth partner so just for anyone who's listened to that and listens to this completely different people I'm not saying anything mean about Benj my partner at the minute (laughs) So yeah, so I was fell pregnant, I was really excited, um, I had a really easy pregnancy, I was low risk, um, I didn't have like any bad symptoms or anything like that. Towards the end of my pregnancy though, I had been in for reduced movements twice, I think one time I was maybe about 28, no it was a bit more than that, I was about 30, maybe like 33 weeks or something, and then again at 38 weeks, and then I got to 40 weeks, and it was 40 weeks and four days I want to say and I'd had reduced movements again so I went into the hospital um was monitored had um had ccg monitoring had a uh, doppler had them check placental blood flow check the waters things like that everything was absolutely fine but because that was my third episode of reduced movements and because I was past 40 weeks they were desperate to induce me like 
next level desperate to induce me to the point where they didn't want me to leave the hospital. They were telling me that if I didn't get induced, I was putting my baby at risk. Um, all sorts of just really horrible scaremongering things that they were saying. And like I said, I'd done hypnobirthing. I'd taken a course. I felt like I was quite informed, but at this point I wasn't a hypnobirthing teacher. I wasn't a doula. I didn't even know what a doula was at this point. Um, and it was just me in the hospital by myself um, because my partner had been sent home after we'd had the monitoring. So it was just me and they were telling me all this horrible stuff and they were really scaring me and they were saying that I had to be induced and I didn't have a choice. I knew that that wasn't true and I knew that I could advocate for myself. I knew 100% I didn't want to be induced. My baby was fine. I knew she'd come when she was ready. I really trusted in that. So I told them that I wanted to go home and wait for labour. And they told me that I wasn't allowed to go home. They told me I had to stay in the hospital and I had to be induced. I wasn't 100% sure what this meant. But I did know that I was allowed to leave. So I told them that I, was, I wasn't going to be induced under any circumstances. I wasn't going to be induced and I wanted to go home. And they told me that the only way that they would let me go home is if I signed loads of forms that basically just like relinquished any of their they basically just relinquished any of their responsibility towards me and my baby basically they wanted me to sign a form that said that if anything happened to me and my baby it was my own fault because I was going against medical advice to not be induced um I'm not still to this day 100% sure the legalities of that um, I don't even know if it was a real form, to be honest, because I never even got presented with it. But they told me that they had this form that I would have to sign and that that was what it said um, for me to be able to leave the hospital. Obviously, this was like quite a terrifying thing to hear. I didn't want to like basically relinquish any responsibility because that then meant that they could do whatever they wanted to me. And I'd signed this form to say that, well, that was fine because I take responsibility for it. So I wasn't comfortable signing this form. Um, I was incredibly just stressed out at this point. Um, I didn't really know what to do. I really wanted to leave the hospital, but I really didn't want to sign this form. In the end, after a lot of like backwards and forwards, um, I decided that I would stay in overnight and make my decision by the morning. Um, and they said that that was fine. They would keep me in the induction ward. They would let me know if there was room for me to go and be induced. And I was just like, oh, whatever. I'm not getting induced, but you do that. So they put me on the ward where all the like women were waiting to be induced. And it was full, obviously, because in Leeds, they're just obsessed with booking inductions to people for no reason. So it was full with people waiting to be induced. So they put me in there and they almost coerced me into a sweep, really. I don't, I don't know if they coerced me, really, because... I knew what it was. I knew that I really didn't want a sweep, but they kind of just kept saying to me, well, why don't you just let us give you a sweep and then things might happen anyway and then you won't need to be induced and you're already here and blah, 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 blah. And in the end, I think I was just so worn down from all of the arguing and stuff that I accepted and I had a sweep. It was okay. It, it wasn't nice. I definitely... I wouldn't really recommend them, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, so I had a sweep. And then I immediately had a bloody shirt and I lost my mucus plug almost instantly after the sweep. Um, I don't know 100% if it was down to it. Maybe I would have, maybe that would have happened that night anyway, but it did happen sort of about half an hour after I'd had the sweep. So it did probably stimulate it to come away. The woman who did it was quite rough and aggressive. So it does feel like she probably could have dislodged something when she was doing it. Um, and that came away. So I knew that that was a good sign, but I also knew that it didn't necessarily mean that labour was starting. It just meant that things were progressing as they should. Uh, I knew that they could um, grow back. I knew that it, even if they come away, it doesn't mean that labour is going to start imminently. So I took it as a good sign. 
I didn't tell anybody because I was just done with talking to the people that were on shift at that point. But yeah, it was done. By this point, it was the evening, so it was maybe about 8pm or something like that. Um, my partner brought back my stuff. So he brought me, like, the stuff that I needed if I was going to be giving birth, just, like, my hospital bag, but he didn't bring, like, the baby stuff or anything like that. He just brought me my stuff so that I had, like, my snacks and my things to entertain myself with and stuff. So I had my iPad, and I sat on my birthing ball, um, and I put on this country... At the time, I was, like, really obsessed with this country. Um, I think only, like, the first season was out, but I'd watched it loads, and I knew that that would, like, really get my oxytocin flowing because it's so funny. So I put my headphones in, I watched that, I bounced on my ball, I had some snacks. I kind of just tried to get myself in the zone. I really was hoping that I would just go into labour because just in my head, I just thought, well, I'm already in the hospital. If I can just go into labour, then I can prove them that I don't need an induction. And I also don't have to sign the stupid forms. and I don't have to have another fight tomorrow. So I kind of willed myself to go into labour. And the day before as well, I had felt like things might be starting. Not because I'd had any symptoms, but I had walked like the entirety of Leeds City Centre. I'm genuinely not joking when I say that. If you are from Leeds or you know it well, I walked from the Belgrave up to the university um, and back and all the way around um, the city centre as well. We were out walking like all day. We went for lunch and we went for tea in the city centre, did some last minute shopping and things like that. Um, and when I got home, I just had this feeling that things were going to start. Um, and I got, I kind of felt really emotional about it. And I felt like things were going to start within the next day or two. Um, but yeah, then all this stuff happened with the hospital. That kind of delayed it a bit. And then when I was back on my ball, I started to feel back in the zone and I felt like things could be happening. Um, I don't know how, because I clearly wasn't in like this massive oxytocin headspace because of all the stress I'd been through. But I think I just managed to go within myself so much that I was like, right, this is, I, I feel like I can get this to happen. I feel like um, things are going to work out. So I tried to get myself feeling really positive again and it worked. Um, and I started to feel like little mild cramps and I thought that something might be happening but I wasn't sure. I'd never obviously been in labour before. I didn't know what they were meant to feel like. They were really, really mild. They were like every half an hour and that was it. So I went to bed, went to sleep at about 10 o'clock. So I was just watching stuff for a couple of hours and I got into bed, went to sleep. And then the next thing I know, I was woken up at four in the morning by my water's breaking basically. But it wasn't, <laughs> it was, it was the weirdest, weirdest sensation. So I woke up and basically because I felt them pop inside me. Even now when I talk about it, I can remember exactly how it felt. I felt the pop. It felt like a balloon inside my pelvis was popping. I felt that happen. I immediately just woke up and jumped off the bed and my water just exploded everywhere, all over the floor. Um, luckily, yeah, I'd managed to jump out of the bed and I was wearing like a nighty, so it didn't really get on me or anything. It just literally just flooded the floor. <laughs> So I went and told the midwives and I said, oh, my, my waters have gone. Um, and I, I think I was maybe having contractions before I went to sleep. Um, I'm not sure. And then in that time while I was talking, I had a really strong contraction. And I was like, oh, I've just had a really strong one. I, I had to breathe through it. I couldn't talk through it. Um, it was really quite intense. And they were like, oh, that's so excited. We'll go get someone to take you around to your delivery room. And we'll go and sort it out, go and get your bags, we'll find somebody. And I was really excited and I was like, I've done it. Like, I've managed to get myself into labour. This is amazing. I'm so proud of myself. Like, things are going to just happen completely fine. Leeds didn't have a midwife led unit at this point. It's 2018, so it was just before 
um, they opened the Lotus Suite. So they didn't have a midwifery unit, but I told them that I really wanted a water bath. I really desperately wanted to use the pool. So I asked them if I could have a pool room, and they was like, we're going to get the midwife, we'll see what we can do. They went and got a midwife, and she was so grumpy, <laughs> this midwife, she was horrible. And she was like, right, let's go to your room then. So I like followed her, and I had to keep stopping every couple of minutes um, to have contractions, to breathe through them. And then we got to the room, and she was like, right, it's time to get you on the drip. And I was like, what are you on about? And she was like... Well, you're being induced, it's time to get you on the drip. So I, I was just completely bamboozled at this point, and I said to her, I'm not being induced. I said, and why would I go on the drip when my waters have just broken? And she was like, well, because you are being induced. It says here that you, you were on the induction ward and you've come round to be induced. So I had to sort of tell her exactly what happened. I said that I hadn't been induced. Obviously, I'd had the sweep, but I hadn't been induced by their standards Um I didn't need to be induced. My waters had gone. Things were progressing. At this point, I was having contractions every five minutes. They were really strong. I had to breathe through them. I was quite clearly in active labour. Um, it was, yeah, it was really clear to me. Even then, at that point, I'd never been through it before. I, I knew that I was in active labour at this point. And this woman was just, she was just so rude to me and so dismissive. And she was like, no, that's not happening. You, you're being induced. We're putting you on the drip. We've got it set up. And I was like, I'm, you're not. So it went on like this for a little bit and she went, fine, I'm going to go and talk to the doctors and see what's happening. So she stormed off. Um, I know I'm painting her in a bad light, but she really was horrible. <laughs> um, luckily, I've never, ever met this woman since. Every time I've been back at LGI and every time I've been there with doula clients and things like that, I've never remembered, I've never I've never met this um, midwife again. So if anyone's listening to this and due to give birth in Leeds, bear in mind that this was years ago. This was like nearly five years ago. She was quite old, so it's possible that she's retired or she's just moved on because I've never seen her again. So please don't worry if you're due to give birth at Leeds. Um, I feel like at this point I will just say that every birth I've attended, at, this has happened at LGI, every birth I've attended at LGI since as a doula has been great and the midwives have been really lovely. Um, I think I just, I don't know, I got unlucky, I guess. <laughs> um so yeah, so she went off to find a doctor and she came back and she was like, fine, the doctor said you don't have to be induced, just go back to the ward then. And I was like, well, I, I, I'm in active labour, please could I stay in the room? But I really want a pool. And she was like, you can't have a pool, you're being induced. I was like, we've just been over this, I'm not being induced. Um, and I really want to give birth in the pool. She, it was a hard no. She didn't want me to do that. She said, I'm not allowed in a room yet. Um, I, was only allowed, I was only coming around to the room because I was being induced. I'm taking you back to the ward so she took me back to the ward with all the other people waiting to be induced and just like explained what happened to the midwives and they were like okay just go back and wait in your bed so they wanted me to wait near my bed um on a ward of eight other people with just a curtain around me while I was in active labor I asked them if I could bring my partner to come back and they said absolutely not they said he has to wait until visiting hours which was half past eight the next morning um and I had to just wait I was just annoyed by this point, really, but I, I knew that I needed to keep my oxytocin flowing, I wanted to stay in the zone, I wanted things to happen, so I told them, okay, I was going back to the bed, but I was going to bring my partner soon, because I felt like things were progressing really fast, and they said something like, things won't be progressing fast, you're a first-time parent, you just don't know what to expect, or something like that, they're like, you can have some paracetamol if you want, I was like, I don't want paracetamol, I'd read about how paracetamol can prolong the first stage of labour, um, so if any of you didn't know that, it's not recommended now to take paracetamol during the first stage of labour because it can inhibit prostaglandin production and prostaglandins um, help to stimulate your cervix to dilate. So it's not recommended to take them. I'd read about that. I knew I didn't want them, but they offered me them and I just said, I don't want paracetamol. Also, I don't know what paracetamol would have done for labour pain anyway, but 
They said I could do that and I just had to wait near the bed. They asked if I wanted a vaginal exam. Actually, I don't think they asked if I wanted one. They told me they were going to do one and I said I didn't want one. Um, it was on my birth plan. I wasn't going to have vaginal exams. At this point, not a single person had read my birth plan and by the time I got to give birth, a single, not a single person ended up reading it either, which is another annoyance. Um, but yeah, they said that they wanted to give me an exam and I said I didn't want one and they said, fine, just go wait at your bed thing then. The things was getting more intense. I rung my birth partner at the time I rung him and I asked him to come in so he came in and he got there for five in the morning they wasn't happy that he was there but they said that he could come round so he came in and yeah wasn't great he fell asleep sat in a little chair fell back to sleep <laughs> I was like what are you doing <laughs> you've only just got here you've had a, a good amount of sleep like I need someone to rub my back so eventually he came round and rubbed my back a bit but that was it it was not great I asked him if he would go and ask the midwives if I could move to a room. So he went and asked the midwives if I could have a room and they said not yet. There was no point. I would probably be in labour for ages. I didn't need to go to my own room yet. So again, I got left. I didn't push it. So the contractions carried on like this. They were every three to five minutes at this point. They were lasted a minute long. I knew 100% I was in active labour. They were really strong, really intense. I had to really breathe through each one. And this is where the hypnobirthing just really came in a treat. Because obviously I was kind of, I was by myself. I was on this ward. Um, I wasn't by myself, but it felt like I was by myself because my partner wasn't doing anything. Um, and I was just breathing through each contraction and just telling myself affirmations over and over again. I kept telling myself, every contraction brings me... Actually, I think I used surge that time, so because that's what the hypnobirthing that I'd done had called them. So I, I was telling myself, every surge brings me closer to meeting my baby. I can do anything for a minute. I just kept reminding myself of these two things over and over again. And then in between the contractions, I was um, drinking and... I think, no, I didn't have any snacks. I was just constantly like drinking and just trying to remember to look after myself basically while all of this was happening. Then it got to about half past eight in the morning. So it had been maybe about four hours of active labour and I entered transition. So I, I was aware of transition, but at the time I didn't know that I was in it because I think, as I mentioned in the episode on the stages of labour, when you're in transition, you don't necessarily realise that you're in it it's only afterwards that you can look back on it and that's why it's so important for birth partners to be able to realize when you're in it so I hit transition and I was like you need to get me a midwife now I need some really strong pain relief I really want some codeine um the reason I was asking for codeine is because I just had it in my head that I didn't want any drugs I was just I was so dead set on not having any drugs I really didn't want to have an epidural I didn't want to have pethidine or anything like that um, so like I think that was must have been where my sort of adrenaline filled transition mind went to like I need to get some codeine and I was like shouting it and I was like you need to go and get me the midwife right now uh, I need something I need some help so he went and got the midwife and she came over and she was like are you okay and I was like no I need this now and she was like are you, well are you sure like didn't you just have some paracetamol and I was like I didn't have the paracetamol <laughs> um and even if I did, I want some codeine. Uh, even if I had, I want some codeine, but I hadn't had it. And she was like, okay, I need to check your notes. So she went to check my notes and then came back and she was like, I can move me a bit. And she was like, are you sure you need it? And I was like, I need it. Even though it was, it was so clear that I was in transition. And then it only lasted a couple of minutes. And then I started pushing. So obviously my behaviour completely changed. My contractions completely changed. And I started making like the infamous mooing noise, the like guttural noises that you make when you're pushing your baby out. So I had clearly been through, I don't know how they didn't notice this, I had clearly been through active 
labour through transition and was then pushing. But they just didn't notice that this had happened. And because I was like pushing and I was saying, oh, the contractions have really changed. I can feel the baby coming down. I can, all the, all the pressure is now in my bum. The pressure had gone from being in my bum from my back to being completely in my bum at this point. And the midwife was like, no, you're not pushing yet. You've probably just got like a back to back baby that's trying to turn or something like that. And I was like, no, this really feels like, I feel like I've been on this journey. My contractions have, I've completely followed the pattern of what the stages of labour should look like. I feel like this is it. I feel like baby is coming. And she was like, well, there's no way we can know that unless we give you a vaginal exam, but I'm pretty sure you're not at the pushing stage. She was telling me this while every three minutes I had to stop to push and make these insanely loud mewing noises, which which must have been so disruptive for the other people on the ward. And while this was going on, I was begging her to let me go to my own room. And I was saying, please, can I just go to my own room? I feel like this baby is coming. I desperately need my own room. And she was like, not until we give you a vaginal exam. And I said, I told you I don't want one. I don't, I don't want a vaginal exam. I can tell that this is happening. And she was like, until we know, you're not going to your room. So in the end, after like this happening a few times, I said to her, right, you can check, but I do not want an exam. I do not want you to put your fingers in, but you can look. You can have a look and see if you can see anything. Because I was just so sure that the baby was coming that she would be able to see something. And I said, you can only do this if you take me to my own room. And she wouldn't, still wouldn't take me to my own room, but she let me... Um, like opposite the ward there was basically like a cupboard I like I'm not exaggerating it was absolutely tiny it was like a cupboard with this like reclining chair in it um I don't even know what this room was and she was like right I'll take you over there we'll do the check and then you can come back here because <laughs> she clearly just didn't believe that I would have been going to my own room so she took me to this little thing I sat on this chair and genuinely like she just looked and was like oh my god I can see your baby's head I'm really sorry you are pushing I was like fucking I knew it like I told you I, I told you that this was happening um so she was like we need to get you to the delivery room now so she was like ma'am she was like madly panicking she ran and got a wheelchair and put me in tried to put me in the wheelchair I was like I cannot sit down in a wheelchair I'm pushing my baby out so I got on my hands and knees on this wheelchair she ran me round to the delivery room I got into the living room, I guess she probably told like the person what was happening, the midwife in that room, um, and left me to it because I was in active labour and I was pushing my baby out. So I got up onto the um I got up onto the bed not to lay down, I put the back of the um bed, like the bit where your head goes, I completely lifted that up um and I knelt against it. Uh, so I was in like an all fours position leaning against the back of the bed and because that's just what position my body wanted me to be in the woman was like we need to monitor you because you haven't had any monitoring or anything and I was like well if you can get the monitor on while I'm in this position that's fine but I'm not getting on my back no one's doing any checks no one's monitoring me this baby's about to be born I want to just try and enjoy the end of labor please um so they tried to do some monitoring I can't remember if they managed to do it or not and yeah I was on there pushing she asked me if I wanted to try gas and air so I gave it a try but I just, I couldn't be bothered with it. I was, the breathing techniques were still really serving me. So I carried on with the breathing techniques and that was that. And then I had um, my partner in there, my birth partner. He was, he had a cool funnel and he was like putting it on my head in between contractions. And then there was a student midwife who was giving me drinks of water in between each contraction. So I was in that room for about 25 minutes and then my baby was born. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I got 25 minutes in the delivery room in the end and didn't obviously get to go in the pool like I wanted to. But immediately after giving birth, I was happy. I did feel really proud of myself and I did feel like I'd had a positive birth experience because I'd got what I wanted in terms of no medication. It was quite fast. I coped with it really well. I only used the breathing techniques. 
And it wasn't until like I got home and really thought about it that I realised just how much sort of bullshit I'd been put through and I got really mad about it. Afterwards, I had immediate skin to skin for an hour. I barely lost any blood. I lost like, it said less than 100 mils, which is um, a really small amount. I bet the placenta, I think it was like an hour and 15 minutes later, naturally, I didn't have the injection. I initiated breastfeeding within about 10 minutes. My baby, she was £8.10, she was perfect, I was so happy to have her. Um, and luckily, yeah, it didn't over overshadow that bit. The midwife in the end, I don't even know her name, who was in there when I gave birth. She was really nice. I remember her being really kind. Afterwards, she was like, you did amazing. You should have had a home birth. And I was just, it kind of just rubs salt into the wound at that point. I was like, I wish I'd have had a home birth. But at that point, it didn't. Where we lived in Leeds wasn't set up for a home birth, really. We'd, we'd only just moved into our first place that wasn't like a house share. And it wasn't in a nice area. And it, it wasn't really suitable for a home birth. But yeah, I wished I'd have had one too. <laughs> it just, uh, it was just sort of one thing after the other. No one believing me, nobody trusting me, being left to my own devices, being shunned, just being completely disrespected, basically. Um, but I was still, I'm still proud of it. Sometimes I think a little bit that came into play as well was that I was quite young. So like I said, I was only 22. Well, I was 23 by the time I gave birth. But I think they just thought that I was just daft and I just couldn't cope with it and I didn't know what to do. Like I said, nobody read my birth preferences, uh, my birth plans. I, I had two copies of it that I really wanted to be read, but it, no one got around to reading it because I just wasn't listened to and wasn't believed. So yeah, it was it was just frustrating, really. And the more I think about it now, the more I feel frustrated that it was robbed of me because if I'd have been listened to when my waters had broken and in the five hours between, I could have easily had a really serene, a really calm, a really nice water birth rather than all the stress and panic and being alone that it turned out to be. And that was because of the system, unfortunately. So yeah, that's that's the bulk of the story. Um, I hope I wasn't too much of a bummer to listen to if you made it this far. If any of you have listened to this and have had something similar happen to you, then feel free to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to chat about it with you. Um, similar things have happened to my clients that I've taught. I've had a couple of different hypnobirthing clients that have had similar that haven't been listened to, that haven't have been believed. And like I said, I will share things that I would do differently, but sometimes this just it's just hard because I fought and fought and fought and I was still ignored. But the things that I would do differently is... I would have refused to stay in in the first place so that I would that wouldn't have happened. I would have maybe I would have had the sweep. I'm not 100 percent sure if I was doing it now, I wouldn't. Um, but if I knew that I could go home, maybe I would have had the sweep and gone home back at that time. Nowadays, I wouldn't have had the sweep at all. I wouldn't have had the sweep. I wouldn't have stayed in. I wouldn't have signed a form. I would have literally just left. I would have just walked out of that hospital. No one's going to restrain you. You can walk out of a hospital at any time. I don't know why I didn't just walk out of it. So I would have gone home to avoid all that messing around to start with. I would have gone into labour and then I would have headed into the hospital. Or maybe I would have decided to stay at home when I realised how well I was doing. I'm not sure. I also would have hired a doula. I feel like if I'd have had a doula with me, or even just, my, like I said, Ben's my partner now, if he was my birth partner, and he could have advocated, and then if I could have hired yeah, a doula as well to advocate for me, I feel like it would have been so much different. Because obviously now if I was in that situation and I had a client that was being treated like this, I would be able to sort of pull them up on it and say this is bang out of order this is not true the things that you're telling my client are not true she has gone into a normal natural labor she wants to have a pool she's clearly in active labor I would have had someone to stand up for me rather than them just dismissing me I would have hired a doula um 
if I'd have known what I know now, would have had a home birth, like I said, even though the house wasn't really set up for it, it wasn't in a nice area or anything like that, I would have had a home birth because it would have made it easier. And I, I would have just, I don't know, maybe set up in the bloody garden or something, <laughs> but I would have had a home birth. And just those things would have helped. And then something else that I would have really done is at the point where I was clearly in active labour, I would have asked for a different midwife. I would have, if I knew what I knew now, I would have gone to the desk and I would have said, please could a midwife come and observe me? I'm clearly in active labour. And because I know now that there are other ways that you can test cervical dilation as well, there's a thing called the purple line that we'll talk about in another episode. Um, I would have asked them to look for the purple line. I would have asked them to yeah, observe my behaviour so that they could clearly see that I was in active labour. And I would have sort of demanded even more that I get taken to my own room so that I wasn't just left on this ward by myself but yeah that that's about it really that's all I would change because a lot of it is just their their behavior and I can't change someone else's behavior can I but hopefully in future if these sorts of things do start happening then those are things that you can request make sure you've got someone to advocate for you make sure you've got someone to back you up and um, make sure that you're birthing around people that believe in you and believe in your body and things like that make sure that you ask for a different midwife if you want one make sure you get what you want just yeah make sure that you've got the support around you and you feel confident enough to get what you want because like I said that happened in my first birth and I'd done a hypnobirthing course but I I didn't it was just an online one I just did an online course it wasn't with a teacher or anything and I'd read a few books and stuff but I definitely didn't know what I know now and I, I could have done even more preparation that would have meant that I knew about these things so yeah that's it I hope that there were parts of that that you found helpful I hope that there were parts of that that you can utilize if you need to obviously I hope that nobody actually needs to utilize any of these things that I've told you because I would hope that most people do end up in this situation but if you need to I hope that you can utilize these tools if you want to know more about birth rights there is an episode the last episode which was all about birth rights and decision making tools and where to find information so I definitely recommend going and giving that a listen because that's really helpful for knowing how to advocate for yourself so go and listen to that one and if you're pregnant then I would really recommend going away and listening to positive birth stories now to sort of balance out what you've just listened to because like I said I know that it was a bit of a heavy listen so yeah if you did find this helpful please do let me know if you have any more questions then come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the dungaree doula and like I said if you want to drop into my dms at any point then I'm happy to chat more about this if you want to get started on your birth preparation, then remember I offer a birth preparation and hypnobirthing masterclass for just £18.50, which you can download now and work through in your own time because it's pre-recorded. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes below. I also offer hypnobirthing, doula and virtual doula services. Um, all the information on that can be found at my website, which is also in the show notes. And like I said at the beginning, I have a buy me a coffee page now where you can leave me a little tip, which helps me to keep putting out this free content for everybody. So thank you very much in advance if you do do that thank you for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please do stick around like follow and subscribe or leave a little review if you don't mind because it's so very helpful for me and my little podcast speak soon bye